AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music. And lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. You deserve to treat yourself, so turn your tax refund into a U-fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 41424 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. Hi, I'm Vanessa Bayer, and this is my brother Jonah. We're two siblings who love to talk about our childhood and nostalgia and how it shaped us into the people we are today. Who are pretty welcoming, if I do say so myself. Welcome to How Did We Get Weird. Our guest today got his start as an intern in late night television, and I did too. And, you know, like our guest, I got to be in a late night TV sketch. I don't know if you remember this, but mine was... I don't remember this at all. Could you tell me about it? You don't? No. I remember when you interned at Conan, but I don't remember seeing you in an actual sketch. Yeah. Well, I promised that I told you about it because I told so many people about it. And then, well, I'll tell you. So basically, it was called Best Extra in a Canadian Soap Opera, And the way that I remembered that is because I just looked at some of my old resumes and I had it on my resume for a long time when I was younger and not that much younger. And I remember we filmed it and it was the summer before my junior and senior year of college. And I was in the senior society 
And I emailed them all the night after I did it and was like, I'm going to be on Conan tomorrow. And the late night show I interned at was late night with Conan O'Brien. And then tomorrow came around and they just like didn't use it. And I like was so embarrassed. And like when I was emailing everyone, I was like, I have a feeling what if this doesn't air? Because I'm like emailing like 50 people. And then I was like, no, it's going to air. And then it didn't. And then they were like, it'll probably air tomorrow. So like I emailed everyone again and I was like, LOL, you guys like, haha, <laughs> it's actually going to air tomorrow. Sure enough, it didn't air. And then actually, this is very full circle because I just realized the person who told me that it had aired finally, like two weeks later, is actually a super fan of Bridger's. My good friend, Kitty Long, or now Kitty Mudo. I hope she's okay with me using her full name. She told me that her boyfriend at the time had seen it like randomly a few days later. And by that time, you know, I was so... I was so embarrassed and I was so like, I wasn't even looking. You had stopped sending out these daily emails. Yeah, yeah. Because I was like, okay, I think I can't do a third one. She was like, Tom saw it, I think. And she was like, that's so cool. And I was like, yeah, I guess he's the only one who saw it. (laughs) Or like saw it with the knowledge that I was in it. Anyway, yeah, Jonah, I'm sorry that you missed it. Yeah, maybe I can track it down somewhere. Also, what is a senior society? (sighs) It's something that I think probably only exists at like Bragg Ivy League or like other really kind of like uppity schools where elite institutions, elite institutions where it was like this group of us. I was in it because I was director of my all female sketch comedy and musical parody troupe Bloomers. Other people were in it because they were head of the Wharton people who love business or something. It was like people who are heads of groups and stuff like we would just get together every week or so and like, I don't know, go to bars. It seems really weird that it would be like the heads of the business school and then you being like, I'm the head of this sketch comedy parody To be fair, it was like a very, very... Some people were like maybe the head of their sorority or something and then some people were like the president of like the international like pen alliance of like something. It was like a real varied... Yeah, Being the director of Bloomers was probably like not like the most prestigious of the people in the senior society, but also it definitely was the coolest. Yeah, that sounds really cool. Everyone thought we were cool. Yeah. Wow. It's gotten cooler. It always was cool in my mind, though, and in my reality. Okay. (laughs) I got to introduce our guest today because I got to hear what he's thinking about all this. I got to hear about his time at late night and I got to hear if he was in the senior society. (laughs) Um, Our guest today (laughs) is a hilarious writer and actor who's written on shows such as Jimmy Kimmel Live, Single Parents, and has both written and performed in shows including Corporate and Black Monday. You might also know him from his wildly popular podcast, which again, my friend Kitty is your number one fan. His podcast, I Said No Gifts. Please welcome Bridger Weiniger. Oh, you too. I mean, there's Vanessa first. Are you in a coat? Are you wearing a I'm coat a, right now? I'm in a sweatshirt. I am in a sweatshirt. <laughs> in, it's a very hot day in LA. <laughs> yes, I was going to, you look like you just got out from shoveling the walks. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. But let's get past that because Kitty, your friend, yes. reached out to me at some point and was like, I'm friends with Vanessa Bayer. And I was like, you know, you get messages from podcasts all the time. And I was like, for whatever reason, just decided to trust that she knew <laughs> you. She wasn't making it up. She seemed very nice. I guess, however she presented herself, I was like, I guess this person knows her. But it also just may go to show that I just am willing to trust someone if they have complete sentence structure in a direct message. <laughs> yeah, it seems like a good, yeah, sign. <laughs> it's nice to have some confirmation. Yes, yes. It's not some deranged person that's... Uh, yeah, no, 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 no. Real legit friend from... I think we actually met in our mommy and me class, which was pre preschool. 
So I've known Kitty and we're still incredibly close friends. I've known her since we were like three, I guess. That is incredible. I have cut so many people out of my life. (laughs) (laughs) Vanessa is a lot better with staying up with her childhood friends, I think, than most people. Definitely better than me. They're still my closest friends, most of them. Wow. That's so lovely. I mean, I've got a few. Yeah. I mean, some people, you know, as long as you've got friends, that's all you need, you know? I mean, if either of you have somebody reaching out to you through a direct message saying they're friends with me, delete the message. (laughs) But it's nice to be here. Oh, my God. We're so thrilled to have you. Now, Now, Bridger, were you in a senior society? Did you know what one was before (laughs) five minutes ago? It's such a great... No, I was not in a senior society. And there are so many of those societies and colleges and high school, but senior society, it does feel borderline like it's an elderly group or (laughs) something like that. The naming of that does not quite work for college students. Yes, yes. That was my first thought as well. Yeah, and I'm just picturing Vanessa in these meetings with all, you know, because obviously like Wharton, this is like a very big, like top tier business school. And I'm just picturing Vanessa like cracking jokes and like throwing <laughs> sketch ideas at these like, I don't know, guys in like chinos or something. I don't know. Well, it was like, I don't know. It was just like once you were there, I'm trying to remember what the other people did. It just shows like what a narcissist I am that I'm like, I can't really name one other role that anyone else had in it. But it was like these mostly very accomplished students because it's such an academic school. Bridger, I was actually looking up where you went to college. I was trying to figure it out. I went to the University of Utah. Okay, got it. Oh, great. Now I'm going to ask something that is maybe controversial. Please do. I love this. (laughs) Is that a big Mormon school or is it not necessarily? Not necessarily. That's this. The University of Utah is the state school, which is in Salt Lake City. I mean, there are just by nature a lot of Mormons there. Yeah. But the big Mormon school is Brigham Young University, right, which right. BYU. Yeah. Right. Which Jonah has a good friend, my friend as well, who's somehow related to Brigham Young. Right. You're kidding. I mean, he had a lot of children. I think there's like a million people related to him. Right. It's like crazy. Yeah. Because he had like 40 right. wives. And I don't don't think that's an exaggeration. Yeah. Yeah. I think like I heard a statistic, like a certain population of the town, if you like trace their DNA is related to him or something. And you know somebody who's a descendant. Yes. I mean, I know who you're talking about. I guess that sounds vaguely familiar. I don't have as good of a memory as Vanessa. So I feel like Vanessa says stuff all the time and I'm like, oh, right. Someone probably told me this and I forgot. I think she got invited to like an event and she was like really highly regarded because she's like a direct descendant of his. Oh, no. Interesting. They had like a really nice dinner. (laughs) Why do you remember this? (laughs) Yeah. Any food details? Do you remember what was on the menu? No, but I remember her sort of being like everyone sort of wanted to talk to me and be like, you're like a descent. And it seems like she's not really interested in Mormonism. So, but I think like if she was, she would be like queen. Of- she would be royalty. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Amazing. When you were in school, were you in like a lot of clubs and that kind of stuff? Because I was not. I was kind of doing my own thing. I would not be interested in being in, in something like this. What was your vibe like? Not in college at all. College was like a commuter school. So I was just driving, showing up, making zero friends, just trying to power my way through it. Uh, In high school, a little bit more, like student government, that sort of thing. Okay. But college, the University of Utah, well, I don't know if I guess you got into a frat or something, but imagine me walking up to a frat house and knocking on the door. Uh, I just don't think that was going to happen. So. And Bridger, are you from Utah? Did you? I am. Okay. Okay. Because that's when you set the reference of going out and shoveling the driveway. I mean, that could almost be our topic today. That is so funny. (laughs) Awful experience. It was such a thing that we would do. Like, I remember on snow days, you'd like do it. And I don't know. 
it just it makes me not want to go home for the holidays. Yeah, because yeah. I will be shoveling my parents' driveway. Yeah, I blew it this year. This doesn't affect you two in California, but I first snow last winter. I was lazy, didn't shovel it. And it turned into this layer of ice that was like impossible to get rid of for the entire winter. Oh, my God. You just got to force yourself to go out there and do it that first snowfall or, or you're done. So did you just have to wait for the summertime? Kind of like I could shovel like fresh snow that was on top of it. But there was always this like layer of ice that was like rock hard. Like I could not get rid of. It was just so solid. And I just had to chalk it up to just inexperience and just laziness and failure. <laughs> Those trucks that come around that like distribute it's been such a long time since living in a place that has snow that has those but do those only go on the street they don't go in your driveway you got to hire someone to ply your driveway or or anything Mm, like that they'll do the streets that's in it you also have to out here hire someone to take away your trash that's like a massachusetts thing so you either have to get a pass to the transfer station like the town dump or what transfer station or you can hire a company that comes once every week or two weeks and picks up your garbage at the end of your driveway but the town does not come and pick up your... You got to basically figure it out. Are there people who just figure it out? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I actually have also heard that like the town transfer station is kind of like a social like hangout. Like people kind of hang out there and like... I live in a very small town, but when there's like a local election, like the politicians will like go to the transfer station and like meet with people. And I kind of want to get into going there. I feel like I might start hanging there, but I just haven't kind of gotten around to it yet. I feel like they would love you there. Yeah, that could be your senior society. It could. It could be my senior society. Yes. Yeah. I, w- I would imagine there's a lot of actual seniors hanging out there. <laughs> right. That's what I was picturing initially. Yeah. <laughs> probably like not a whole lot else going on, going through some bottles and I could just kind of just hang. Now, Bridger, speaking of senior year, you were also an intern at Late Night, right? Were you in college also or was that later on? Yeah, it was at college. I was an intern at Letterman. Yes. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I interned there. Like It was this weird thing where it's not as big of a bummer as it sounds, but it was like Letterman required you to be in college to be an intern. And I was like, I'm not spending semester tuition to go intern. Right. So I also enrolled in the local community college just as kind of a fraud in order to go work at Letterman. And then they didn't enroll me. And so I ended up paying no money for tuition that semester. So I just basically tricked the Letterman people into thinking I was a college student for a semester. And then I went back home and graduated. It's kind of a fraud that I ran on the whole system. So you got the Letterman gig first, then you enrolled in the community college in order to meet the requirement to do it. Right, right. And then the community college probably because the computer system wasn't quite up to snuff. <laughs> Just my name didn't get run through the system and they never charged me. And I was like, thank God. What a bargain. Perfect. So it was after you had graduated? No, it was. This is why it's deeply confusing. It was while I was at the University of Utah, but then just (laughs) I don't know how any of this worked out. It's a miracle I even got out of college now that I'm thinking about it. But I basically I guess I told the University of Utah I would not be attending that semester. I told the Salt Lake Community College I would be attending. Apparently, they didn't quite get the message. And so I just attended no college, but Letterman thought I was. So it worked out. Okay, got it. And then you went back to University of Utah the next semester? Right, right. Wow. It's great that everyone... Well, no, here's the other thing is I think those internships, especially at the time, I don't know if yours is like they're unpaid. So like... Oh, yeah. There's so many weird rules about them. When I interned at Conan, they said you had to get college credit. So basically, you also had to be in college. So I did it over the summer. But my school, and I think all Ivy League schools, sorry to keep telling you guys I went to an Ivy League school, but (laughs) I think all Ivy League schools, 
had this like form letter that they would give to internships like that because the schools would actually not give you credit, but they wanted to make sure you could still do those internships. So they had this sort of like fraud letter (laughs) that you would give to the internship place that said like, you know, Vanessa will be eligible to apply for credit when she completes her internship. But it like basically never says like, she will get credit. Right. And I remember once being in like the little sitting area at Conan and there was this girl who went to like Dartmouth or something. And we basically told like the woman who like ran the internship stuff. We were like, we all are not getting credit. We're just like, (laughs) this is a fraud. And she didn't care, but it was just like, it's so crazy that like, these schools have thought of this and created a scam. (laughs) It was just such a- That's weird that you didn't get credit because I interned at a magazine when I was in college. And I remember the magazine was in Cleveland. So I must have done it over the summer or something. But I remember I had to pay the school, like whatever credit was like. And I remember being so confused. I was like 20 and I was like, wait, I have to pay you like $3,000 for working in my hometown. (laughs) Nowhere near the college. Like, and they were like, yeah, you're basic. It was like a similar feeling when I was really little. I don't know if I ever told you about this. The first time I got charged sales tax, (laughs) I remember it clearly. I was trying to buy this toy that was like 10 cents and I had like a dime and I brought it up. The person was like, it's 12 cents. I was like, no, it's 10 cents. And they're like, it's tax. And I was like, oh my God. why is it more money than it? I was so confused. I was like, no, this says 10 cents. Like, <laughs> and then, you know, from then on in my life, it's been, you know, just tell me that adult allowed you to buy the toy. I'm telling you, I think it was literally something that was like less than 15 cents. I mean, it was like a penny of tax or two cents. <laughs> I can't remember. I hope that they did. Or maybe I was able to get a nickel from someone. But I remember it like blowing my mind being like, this doesn't I don't understand. Why don't they just write the price on here? Which I still think is kind of like a fair assessment. It's funny that the things that you remember really distinctly, Jonah, are like when you got charged sales tax for the first time, <laughs> when you thought that they were overcharging us in the middle school cafeteria for Pizza Hut pizza slices. Like, yeah, these are the things that you like. Yeah, Vanessa was like, I was on national television when I was in college. <laughs> Don't remember that. Don't remember that at all. So you graduate from school and then did you go back to New York or what was kind of your trajectory from there? Uh, no, I went back home. I did some copywriting for Overstock.com, which was insane. <laughs> and then eventually it was just like, well, I'm not going to do this anymore. And moved to L.A. just with, you know, like every insane person just moves here thinking that it's going to work out somehow. I mean, it's just such a miracle that anything ever works out. Right. And then it kind of slowly worked out. And now I am here. Did your time at Letterman at all inform your choice to move to L.A. or anything? And also, I just want to hear just to back up. Were you ever in sketches at Letterman? Because I believe I read something that you were. I was. I played... Do you remember Alan Coulter, the announcer of Letterman? Right, yes. He would be in sketches. I played his son on the show. Okay. Which was like a truly a dream. I mean, he passed away earlier this year, but he was like one of Letterman's funniest like character bits. Yeah. So, yeah. You played his son. I wanted to ask you about your experience with a car crash I heard about because <laughs> when I started interning at Conan... Max Weinberg wasn't there because he was on tour with the E Street Band. But he had been there right before I left. And there was an intern who they made park his car every day. And I remember hearing about it and being like, that would be my absolute nightmare. Like, I don't like <laughs> like parking a car in New York, parking a car, period. <laughs> but parking a car in New York and having it be Max Weinberg's car. Like, I cannot think of something that I would hate more. Like, I would probably have to quit. 
like as much as like the internship would mean so much to me. So then when I read about your parking story, it really put a chill in my spine. (laughs) Yeah. When I moved to LA, I got a job working at The Late Late Show with Craig Ferguson, which ended up being an extremely long production assistant job. I think I was there for like four years. And one of the things I had to do was frequently get his car from various locations, park it different places. And it was enormous. I'm like, my spatial reasoning skills are so poor. I drive a very small car. I can barely get into like a jumbo sized parking place. Yes. So I was driving like a full, I don't know, Cadillac SUV or something. And I had to get it from his house. And he had this very narrow driveway with this massive like concrete pole was around the corner. And, you know, I mean, I was working a job as a PA, so I'm not making any money. It's like it was already a frustrating time. And there was always kind of a fear in the air of, you know, when you work as a PA or somebody's assistant. And But I pulled around the corner and ran right into the pole. And then because of the size of the car and my spatial reasoning skills, <laughs> I didn't quite know how to get out of this situation. So I backed up and hit the pole again. And, <laughs> and so finally, I like I was in a position where I just had to pull forward and get out of the thing, hit the pole a third time, <laughs> and then drove it back to the studio. So I did, I think, $6,000 in damage to the car. Oh. What was that drive back to the studio like? Just screaming at myself. <laughs> just absolutely screaming oh, at myself. <laughs> Um, I don't want to say it worked out, but like he found out and he handled it pretty well, but ended up putting me on the show every night for like two weeks as like a punishment sort of thing. But when you're on the show, they have to pay you like a minimum amount of money. So I ended up being like a money making opportunity for me. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. Sure, I'll do this. Why not? Yeah, yeah. But now it's like if you Google my name, I think it's probably like the third thing is Bridger Weiniger car crash or something, which is like... (laughs) What's going on in this person's life? So Right, right, right. <laughs> Speaking of controversial um, people you've worked for, do you have any experience with Patrick M. Byrne, the controversial owner of Overstock.com? Oh <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well, that person's life is, I mean, I, like even talking about him, like, is he going to come after me? But he, I mean, what a why. Have you read about him like dating the spy and all of this bonkers? He would hold like a monthly meeting while we were working at Overstock.com and it was just, just weird. Just to say, Overstock came after Craig Ferguson or it was before Craig Ferguson? Before. Okay, before. And that was what before you moved to LA? You worked yes, at yeah, Overstock? Yeah. Okay, so you were in Utah when you worked? They were based out of Salt Lake City. Great. Okay, I'm back on board. Okay, so you worked for Overstock. Yeah, and Patrick M. Byrne, I don't think he's the CEO anymore, okay. but was for a long time and ran like, not only was he the CEO of the company or whatever position, he also ran what appeared to me was a conspiracy blog, even back then about deep state stuff and Ugh. all kinds of bonkers stuff. And he was always making decisions. I remember there being some story about him like dumping millions of dollars into a petting zoo that never got opened. <laughs> just weird. I mean, this is all hearsay, of course. But then you read these stories about him like dating this spy, this Russian spy. Right. He's completely unhinged. Yeah, there's all this stuff. I don't understand. I got financial stuff. But I'm curious, like, would he come over and be like, hey, Bridger, like, we got to like this armoire. Like, can you spice up the copy or something? (laughs) That's such a close description of what I actually did. (laughs) But I don't think I really ever interacted with him outside of him forcing everyone to go to his birthday party, which Jason Mraz played at. (laughs) And everyone got like a free hot dog. It was crazy. But it's fun that he continues to be in the news cycle. I would have never expected. 
<laughs> I literally I just went to the overstock Wikipedia page and it just says controversial CEO left 2019. So I was like, oh, this could be, you know, I didn't see that coming. I thought it was going to be like, this got bought by Amazon or something. I think he also spoke at the January 6th hearings. Is that correct? Oh, um, I think he's become part of all of this. Oh, my God. Yeah. Trump loves these like corporate guys, right? These like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so that would not surprise me at all. You've worked for some very eccentric people. <laughs> 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 Well, we're going to take a quick commercial break, but we'll be right back with Bridger Weiniger. Can I give you a real incentive to lean into your decision to start working out and eating better? I'm Carl, co-founder of Body. That's B-O-D-I. And right now, if you sign up for a one-year subscription to Body, I want to make you an offer you can't refuse. I'll give you 65% off. Look, I know it's not easy to get fit and lose weight, especially if you're trying to figure it out by yourself. But we make it simple. Just follow a program for 20 to 30 minutes day by day and lose 5 to 10 pounds a month. We have over 120 programs that have been tested and proven to work, and almost 300,000 five-star reviews in the App Store to prove it. Body also has complete eating plans and thousands of healthy, delicious recipes. So stop guessing and start seeing results with Body, and I'll give you 65% off your annual membership right now so you save big on the app that CNN underscored named Best Fitness App. So don't wait. Sign up for a year of Body and save 65%. Just go to Body.com. That's Body with an I.com. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscored team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscored.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billy's vocals. It was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like, da, 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. And we're back. Now, Bridger, before we get to your very incredible topic that we're going to talk about today, 
I wanted to ask you something. I was listening to your incredible podcast, I Said No Gifts, and you were talking about your name Bridger and how you're named after someone whose last name was Bridger. Is that correct? Right. Yes, yes. I was just going to say our dad thinks he's the first person to ever be named Todd. (laughs) Todd? Todd. He thinks he's the first Todd. We've talked about him many times on this podcast. And in fact, the name of my like, you know, like my company is the first Todd Inc. (laughs) He believes he was named after also someone whose last name was Todd. And he thinks his parents are the first ones who thought to use Todd as a first name. So like, it's not like they invented, like they put the letters together and were like Todd, but it was a last name before that. And his parents were the first ones to use it as a first name. By that logic, I wondered if you ever thought you might be the first Bridger. I've often wondered about it. The only Bridgers I know, first name Bridgers, yeah. are younger than me. Okay. I don't even know them. I, I've, like, I've heard of other Bridgers and they're younger than me. I've never met... An older Bridger. Mm -hmm. I don't want to get into Todd territory. Yeah. I don't want to be claiming this, but until maybe 10 years ago, I had never heard of another Bridger. Yeah. I mean, how old is your dad? (laughs) I I need to know more about this. I know. Well, he's 70. He was born in 1950. So he's 72, 72, something like that. Okay. Because I have an uncle, Todd, I'd like to introduce him to. Okay. And how old is your uncle? Do you know? I feel like it's around that same time period. Even if he's like 71, our dad will say his name is probably Theodore and he probably didn't start calling himself Todd (laughs) till after. Now, because of the internet, you can sort of disprove this a little bit, but I I do believe that our grandparents had an original thought of like, let's use it as a first name, you know, but maybe they weren't the only ones or the first ones. But I do tend to usually defend it. All I'm saying is if you wanted to claim that you're the first Bridger, I will defend it. Maybe I just need to start really owning. Yeah. Really just. And if somebody else pops up, we can just gaslight them and make them feel crazy. Yeah. No, I'm the first Bridger. I wonder if you could pay a service to find that out. I guess you could probably look in the social security database. Is there such a thing? I don't know. I don't know. Someone's got to be the first Bridger, though. I mean, I don't know why it couldn't be you. Why can't it be me? It might be the first person who claims it, you know? Yeah, it's just (laughs) you get there first. I think that's our dad's logic. (laughs) (laughs) Well, either way, we'll support it. And thank you. I have two on my side. (laughs) Two on your side. And we are really excited to talk about your topic today, which is witchy games we'd play as kids, such as light as a feather, stiff as a board. Now, Bridger, what made you kind of want to talk about this topic and and what memories do you have of it? Well, I was thinking about essentially the mid 90s when a lot of these sort of memories kind of actually it's kind of the last time I have memories from it. Then everything else is just a mushy mess. So I feel like fifth, sixth grade was around the time. What was the movie I'm forgetting already about the high school witches that The Craft, The Craft. Thank you. That was really dominating the cultural conversation, at least in elementary schools. Yes, of course. Yes. Especially among girls like the girls at my school were always talking about witches and uh, we would sit around and have seances on the playground. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> try to transport ourselves, this sort of thing. But it also like clashed with Mormonism because it's like uh, such a dark arts right, thing. And right. Yeah. So it was like kind of this risky thing we got to play with and without our parents knowing. But parents were very concerned. I think Utah dealt with the satanic panic way longer than the rest of the country. I think like long into the late 90s, we were still thinking about Satanism and worrying about that sort of thing. Got it. Because I remember my fifth grade teacher kind of shutting down class one day 
to warn us of the evils of Ouija boards and wow. playing cards. I mean, it just goes to show that the Utah public education system is not that far removed from the Mormon <laughs> church. <laughs> or it's like, right, right, right. We should be learning about world history or something. And now we're talking about how Satan can come into your home and <laughs> right. sharing ghost stories. <laughs> it's a very potent memory for me. And all of my friends were so witchy. And I always, I've yet to play Light as a Feather, Stiff as a Board. Have either of you played it? I definitely played it like in fifth or sixth grade. But what's so interesting is like, this was sort of pre-internet. So I'm just so curious, like how do people, every like high school kid or middle school kid across the country know about this game? Like how did stuff spread like that, right? <laughs> right. It's so fascinating. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, just like anything else, it was just like so popular at the time, just like must have been word of mouth. And I remember playing it. I actually read this article about it that was really interesting because I didn't quite remember like what the point of it was. But I guess like the point is at first you try and lift the person with just your fingers and it doesn't work or something. And then you like chant light as a feather, stiff as a board a few times or whatever. And then all of a sudden you try again and it works. And this person was explaining like, of course, the reason that happens is like the first time you're trying it, like you're all kind of like giggling and you're like having fun. You're like, oh, it's not going to work the first time. And then the second time you're all like really focused and you're like evenly distributing the person's weight and that your fingers can actually carry like so much weight. It's like just like a physics thing. Here's the official rules. I looked it up. Okay. The official rules of light of feathers as a board is one, someone is chosen to die. <laughs> Two, the chosen one lies on the floor, their arms crossed over their chest, their friends surround them. Three, everyone puts two fingers under the chosen one. They all try to lift. There is much giggling. They fail. She is too heavy. I was saying they, and now I'm saying she. they wrote she. But anyway, four, the leader calls for silence. Maybe she lights some candles. She begins some kind of ritual chant, often call and response. The chants vary. One style goes like this. She's looking pale. And then everyone says, she's looking pale. She's looking worse. She's looking worse. She's dying. She's dying. She's dead. She's dead. I don't remember any of that. Light as a feather, stiff as a board. Light as a feather, stiff as a board. In unison, all girls attempt the levitation again. Step number six. This time, like magic, the quote unquote dead girl rises off the floor. And then this this author, who I thought was really funny. I should have written. I'll get her name. She wrote, I shouldn't have to explain to you why for a certain kind of slumber party year, this is much preferable to calling boys and hanging up, which I thought was like so on the nose of like, yeah, my <laughs> friends perfect. and I would like so much rather do this than be like, um, is Billy there? Like, we'd be like so freaked out. Like, this is less scary. <laughs> right. Calling upon the forces of evil. Yeah. It's this article from Lithub, by the way. I'll get the name of the author so you guys can look it up. But so those are the official rules. Is that kind of how you guys remember yeah. it? That's exactly what I remember. And it's funny that you say that you can say anything. So it's and like it's one of those witchy things that's so clearly easily science proves it immediately. I mean, you could all be sitting around just saying teamwork together and get the same results. So <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. But I just remember light as a feather, stiff as a board. I don't remember all of this dying. She's dead. She's pale. I love it. I don't remember that either. In fact, and I never saw the craft, which is shocking to me because I really loved Nev Campbell from Party of Five. I loved everyone in it and I like probably should watch it ASAP. But I feel like that sort of did like make it so much more 
more famous because it was like the point is that like the person is like because they did it in that movie. But I didn't even realize when we were doing it that the person was supposed to be like fake dead. Like I <laughs> thought that they were just like supposed to be sort of like possessed or something. Right. Ghosts were just kind of helping Making out. Them light. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. The craft must have been part of the reason that all spread so quickly. I mean, I remember I had friends, older sisters who were allowed to see the movie. And I think that, that a lot of the information was funneled through them. There was Adrian, there was Kurtley. Then they got into vampires. Yeah. And then, you know, they were bringing kind of the goth energy to the neighborhood. And I think it was probably from watching The Craft. And the rest of us got to see the trailer before a cartoon or something. So The Craft, like it was, like I remember bad stuff was happening to everyone based on like some paranormal thing. But did they play the game in the actual? They did. They play yeah. it in the movie. Okay. Yeah. Again, I haven't seen it, but I- <laughs> <laughs> from my research on the game, it says that that like really popularized it. Although I remember being a kid, like being really young at Ashley Cameron's house. She had like a sleepover party and it was one of those parties where like she had like paper bags. I think her mom must have like put this whole thing together. She had like paper bags and it would be like one of them had like grapes in it and it would be like, feel this bag. It's full of eyeballs. And then one would be like, this bag's full of intestines and it was like pasta you know, and then I think we played light as a feather, stiff as a board. This would be well before the craft came out. So I think it was already pretty popular and probably the craft made the game even more. Right. What a fun parent. I know. I know. <laughs> right. That would have never happened at my house. Also, her family owns Hunan and Chagrin Falls, which is an incredible restaurant in Cleveland. Shout out to Hunan Chagrin Falls. Did you two ever mess with Ouija boards? Was that in the repertoire later on did either of you i was always too scared i never <laughs> i never did it i remember my friend jenny binstock had like a sleepover party with a psychic sorry that i went to so many cool parties as a kid <laughs> with a psychic and i remember we asked her about ouija boards and she was like don't mess with them and so i just like never did right i mean they're spooky looking yeah what do you think of them like do you think they're i don't know for me i want them to be real yeah i would love nothing more than to be able to just call upon spirits and get answers i don't feel like i've ever i would love to try just once a real serious ouija board experience seance the whole deal yeah but how do you get people on board with that? Right. It feels like the first step of light is a feather, stiff as a board when everyone's giggling. Right. And you can't. Right. <laughs> it also feels like now people be like checking their phone or like not paying attention. Like, I feel like you got to be really engaged to do this kind of stuff. Well, this is a real thing that they brought up in this article, too, is that it's sad that now you can sort of disprove stuff with the Internet. Like it used to be like when we would be playing light as a feather, stiff as a board for all we knew, mm-hmm. there was no instant way to like look it up and realize like if it was or wasn't like a real thing whereas and the other one that this person brought up which I remember we did like play or like talk about a lot and I remember this truly terrified me and I would like think about it a lot was Bloody Mary do you remember that whole thing oh of course where like if you said Bloody Mary in the mirror three times three times she would like come kill you or something (laughs) or like I don't even know she would appear and I remember like leaving sleepover parties where we would talk about it and like going home and like for days just like before I'd go to bed being like and then I'd feel like do I need to just go in the bathroom and just do it just to like prove that it's wrong and I think I did I think I did it a couple of times to just you know like you knew it wasn't real but you didn't have like the internet 
to say like mm-hmm. it's not real, you know. Although I guess given the internet, like there probably are articles too that are like it's absolutely real. <laughs> but that one I think was the scariest to me. That I thought was like once I heard about it, I was like this for sure feels like it's you know you knew it wasn't real, but it was just like that one really stuck. With it's me. horrifying and good for you for running a trial. I did. I think I ran a trial. You love evidence. <laughs> yeah, <but laughs> I remember there was a difference with Bloody Mary at school versus at home for me because at school we would go into like the boys bathroom and there were no windows so it was literally like a cave yeah just pitch black and then at home there was like a window in the bathroom so it was hard to get the atmosphere right for bloody mary <laughs> right, right. yeah would you guys do it at school like every recess over and Candyman, which is kind of a similar thing. Oh, yeah. Candyman was the other. All my friends saw Candyman and I didn't see it because I was too scared. <laughs> but yeah, they would talk about it was a similar thing, right? Where if you said it yeah, right. a few times, he would appear or something. Yes. And kill you. But it <laughs> right. never happened to us. <laughs> I mean, going into the bathroom at all as an elementary schooler was kind of a nightmare experience. <laughs> yeah. So then to be add Bloody Mary to that was a whole new layer. But maybe I should try Bloody Mary at home. Well, my boyfriend's out of town. It would probably be, I would probably not sleep for nights. Too scary. Yeah, when he's back, we'll play the game together. When you did it in school, would a bunch of you go in at once? Because I would feel like that would be comforting to be not by yourself. I think it was less comforting because I think there was like the social tension all of a sudden. And there was always somebody that might try to scare everyone. Oh, yeah. Uh, But the idea of going into a pitch black elementary school bathroom alone just as a child and calling into a mirror. That's not a... Yeah. (laughs) Terrifying. Either way, it's scary. It's so scary. Jonah, were you scared of Bloody Mary or Candyman stuff? I guess I was kind of scared of it. I felt like I was more... Like, me and my friends, I thought, would more just, like, go run around outside, maybe, like, throw eggs at something. Like, more, (laughs) like, very low-grade, like, troublemaking I guess more of that and less like kind of magical stuff or more like shaking up two liter bottles of soda and spraying them everywhere or just right very, that was like, like a thing that you love to do very, at temple, very, right? <laughs> very kind of wasteful uh, immature <laughs> stuff less kind of like esoteric <laughs> stuff but I think I dabbled in it maybe yeah. you gotta dabble you gotta dabble it was really a scary thing a weird thing about Ouija boards to me is the toy aspect do you remember like yes. walking around the toy aisle as a kid and seeing the Ouija board just sitting next to like chutes and ladders or operations yes. is always so they don't do a great job of making it look like a toy it still looks like a witch's tool and then just sitting there at the back of Toys R Us or whatever that was always so unsettling for me you're absolutely right you know that's the craziest thing about Ouija boards I guess is like the only place you can get them is like a toy store <laughs> in like the board game aisle right. it's so messed up. It's so strange. What is the marketing like? There are marketing departments at Milton Bradley probably meeting about the Ouija board. I bet they like don't ever have to advertise them because they're such strong word of mouth. Yeah, I've never seen an advertisement for one ever. But yeah, I guess they probably have them at like every toy and it must have instructions in it. And you know, these CEOs of Milton Bradley are probably making tons of money off these things. They probably cost them nothing to make. They mark up the price. (laughs) Hand over fist. Yeah, they probably haven't been modernized even that much because there's like (laughs) they're going to sell no matter what. Now, I feel like there was a Ouija board Have there been Ouija board and Bloody Mary movies? There's definitely been a Ouija board movie, which I saw and was really hoping would scare me and didn't. It didn't. Was it for kids? No, it was for adults. And it didn't scare you? Not at all. (laughs) (laughs) I was ready to be scared and I I walked away very disappointed. Yeah. I mean, what are we talking about with the Ouija board being scared? Well, maybe ghosts come out of it or something. What's the plot? Like two kids, like they're like going in the basement 
they're looking for like something. They find this dusty Ouija board, and that seems about right. I don't remember it exactly, but I remember just being kind of bored. It's a period piece, which I appreciated. I think it's like in the seventies. Okay, and so it's like you know seventies kids. The parents are at work or whatever, and we find the Ouija board. I, but that could be also completely wrong. Maybe that's what I wanted the Ouija board movie to be. Yeah. The guitar player Metallica, Kirk Hammett, is really into Ouija boards and has a lot of guitars you can buy with Ouija board graphics on them. There's oh, a, a new one that actually is purple one that's is pretty cool, but I think it's like $3,000. Is he like a believer in Ouija boards? He's one of those guys that's really into like, I think feel like there's like a subset of like kind of heavy metal musicians that are really into like Frankenstein and Ouija boards and this like classic horror aesthetic. Aesthetic, oh, and right. I think he's one of those kinds of guys. Okay. Is a vibe I get. But he's always had these Ouija board guitars. But I don't know if you could really use it as a Ouija board. Right. I think it's just more, more like, yeah. <laughs> if you're on stage in front of thousands of screaming fans <laughs> and you need to contact the dead. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised there hasn't been a Bloody Mary movie. Yeah, I'm surprised It feels too. like something we would all... It looks like there has been, and it wasn't super... Oh. <laughs> Bloody Mary 2006. I'm seeing something on IMDb. Oh, yeah, there's a few, you guys. There's one called The Legend of Bloody Mary. There's one called Mary, Mary, Bloody Mary, which (laughs) might be a cartoon. This Bloody Mary movie that I'm looking up now. Are we sure that these movies aren't about the drink? (laughs) They're all tomato juice. (laughs) No, this one. (laughs) This one is from 2006. When a group of psychiatric hospital nurses invoke the spirit of Bloody Mary, a supposed urban myth, the slaughter begins. First, a young nursing assistant disappears. Her body never found. You know, when these descriptions are really long, you can tell the movie's really low budget because like somebody (laughs) who like was in it or like, you know, like. It's like when someone makes their own Wikipedia page. Yeah. And it makes you feel sad. And it's such a long description. Every like obscure detail of their life somehow is on there. Like (laughs) he went to fourth grade. He liked our class, but didn't really (laughs) like this class. And you're like, huh, who wrote this? Yeah, (laughs) This movie was made by, I'll just read you the last sentence of the description. Bloody Mary's legend is real. Her vengeance is fatal. And to free her, all you have to do is say her name. This was made by Echo Bridge Home Entertainment. (laughs) It sort of says dash Echo Bridge Home Entertainment, which makes me think Echo Bridge Home Entertainment wrote this synopsis. (laughs) And And wanted credit for authorship. Wanted credit. Now, I don't know where you watch this movie. I don't believe it came out in theaters. Oh, wait. This movie's just called Bloody Mary. It's not to be confused. So there's been a few, it seems extremely low budget movies, unlike the Ouija board movie, which <laughs> seems like it at least came out in theaters, but just wasn't very good. Right. That was definitely a movie that I saw in the last 10 years that had actual actors and appeared to be a movie for all intents and purposes. Yeah. Bridger, would you rather be a copywriter for Overstock.com or Echo Bridge Home Entertainment? Echo Bridge Home Entertainment. Okay. If I had written that description, I would be able to retire. <laughs> I get on IMDb and type that up and then just hit the golf course. Love it. Well, we're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back with Bridger Weininger. If you struggle to get in shape and lose weight, I'm about to change your life. I'm Carl, the CEO of Body, and I don't like working out and eating healthy either. So here's how I get myself to do it. I make myself own the morning. And by the morning, I mean the first hour or so every day. It's not family time. It's not for scrolling social media. It's for my results and my health. And man, does it work. Every day I get out of bed, drink a health shake I made the night before, and then I go crush a workout in the body app and just follow along day by day. 
before most people are even out of bed. I'm done for the day. So here's my offer to you. The next 500 people who go to body.com will get 65% off a full year of access to over 120 programs. 65% because I want you to start now and see how fast the pounds come off and the muscles start popping. And if they don't, hey, you get your money back. Just go to body.com. That's B-O-D-I.com. And let's own the morning together and get healthy and fit. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscored team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscored.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Billy Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billy's vocals. It was automatic art. You know, I had to, like, choose a more challenging route than just, like, da-da-da-da. You know what I'm saying? Like, it could have been, like, easier. And a lot of people have asked me, like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and, like, so simple? And what else was it going to... Like, that's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. And we're back. So, Bridger, now we're going to play a game with you that we find to be pretty fun. Okay. It's called (laughs) Legit Moan or Unnecessary Groan. Legit Moan. Unnecessary Groan. And it's based on our hometown, Cleveland, Ohio. Our local paper was called The Plain Dealer. And they had this segment called Monday Moaning where people would write in with their complaints and they would print like several of these complaints every Monday. Now, this column is now defunct. It went away like a little over 10 years ago. Go, but they do have archives. And so what we did today is we picked a few Monday morning moans from the archives and we're going to go through each one of them and we're each going to say whether we think it's a legit moan or an unnecessary groan. <laughs> oh, I can't wait for this. All right. I can kick us off. Here's the first one. Okay, great. This is from December 2009. The person did not list the city. Sometimes I list the city where they're from. Sometimes I don't. But this one says, Hey, baby boomers, thanks for selling out America. There are no middle class jobs. Everything is manufactured overseas and the country has never been worse. (laughs) Typical, (laughs) sorry, typical Woodstock 69 mentality. No responsibility and no scruples. The greatest generation yielded the greediest generation. (laughs) (laughs) 
So this is a very kind of like general one, general moan. I mean, this is about basically a whole generation who embody what this person describes as the Woodstock 69 mentality. (laughs) (laughs) And and I'm just curious, Richard, what are you picturing the person who wrote this letter into uh, the Cleveland newspaper was like, what are your thoughts about this person and sort of their mentality? Well, first, I'm trying to picture what age this person possibly could have been. Yeah. Because they're still upset about people who are probably like 18 to 25 in 1969. Right. Furious about this. So this person was like a 110-year-old man writing into the newspaper. (laughs) So this is in 2009. So baby boomers were how old in 2009? must have been in like their... 50s? Yeah, yeah, probably their 50s. I mean, so this person thinks that, you know, the baby boomers are responsible for no jobs, the fact that things are manufactured overseas and just the country has never been worse. And yeah, and this is that Woodstock 69 mentality you hear so much about. <laughs> It's a lot of blame with not a lot backing it up, I guess. What if it's from like a very conservative, like Gen Xer who's like, uh, right. hey, boomers, like, thanks for screwing everything up. I think it's probably from an older person. Well, I think when they say the greatest generation yielded the greediest generation, this person is, it would be really funny if a kid who was like, oh, the greatest generation was so great, but then those boomers, oh, they ruined everything. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. It'd be someone like Michael J. Fox's character. Um, yeah, um, yeah, this is a 12 year old boy. <laughs> Yeah. Wearing a tie. <laughs> I mean, let's let's take into account what was the economy in this situation? This is 2009. Right before the whole collapse, right after the collapse. This uh, is probably, I think this is December 09. When did the economy collapse? I think this is probably shortly after. It was in 09, right? This is the last month of 09. Right. Looks like the Great Recession is a downturn from 07 to 09. Okay. Okay. Things are about to get better, but it's, an, it's looking maybe still pretty bleak here and that Woodstock 69 mentality has probably never been bigger (laughs) except in 1969 maybe yeah peace love like (laughs) manufacture things abroad I almost thought they said Woodstock 99 mentality which would have made maybe more perfect sense sense. yeah yeah because it's like that was 10 years ago from when this was written so it's like okay that's like this is someone who was like when all the like stuff was going on in 1969 with Woodstock and like people being hippies This person was like in their, you know, like corporate like suit, like being like, must be nice. You know, I have to go to work (laughs) every day and these kids are just like, you know, listening to music and smoking pot, you know, like and this person kind of never let go of that. And then it's probably as soon as the, you know, economy started tanking, they were like, well, (laughs) they were going to, you know, what did they think they weren't going to have to ever pay for that? Like this person feels like they're almost proud of like, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's like almost a night told you so situation. You made your bed. Yeah, yeah. it's a little smug. It's a little smug. I yeah. Agree. So we're saying we're picturing kind of an aging Don Draper. Don Draper in a retirement home. He was too busy at Sterling Cooper and the hippies were running wild. And then the country fell apart four decades later. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So the real question, Bridger, do you think this is a, a legit moan or an unnecessary groan? This is such a tricky one because, look, I mean, he was maybe a little ahead of his time with the whole boomer complaining. <laughs> right. Look, it's hard to say where Don Draper is coming from in this situation, but I'm going to side with him with the boomers being irresponsible, but I'm not going to side with the Woodstock 69 mentality. It doesn't quite add up for me. Yeah. So, But I'm going to I'm going to say 
legit. All right. Legit. I think you bring up some good points. Moan. I got to say unnecessary groan. I think that this person is groan. too vague. It's just blaming the boomers for everything. And I also think this, yeah, just that phrase, this Woodstock 69 <laughs> mentality just <laughs> yeah. gives me a clue just how out of touch this person is to use that phrase in 2009, even yeah. 40 yeah. years later. 40 years and later. Say, <laughs> That's why, you know, the economy is bad. I don't know. I'm going to say this is an unnecessary groan. Uh, Vanessa, what about you? Yeah, I got to say, Bridger, I think you're being very generous to this person <laughs> by saying this is legit. But I agree. I, I find this to be an unnecessary groan. Just feels like a very general complaint for this person groan. to make about a whole group of people when actually, you know, it seems like this person just has it out for, for younger people. This newspaper article seems to be kind of a fun thing for, you know, little pet peeves. And this person's just writing in about the state of the world is a very funny way to express your <laughs> yes. feelings. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yes. And speaking of pet fees, Vanessa, our next one is pretty incredible. Yes. Yes. Okay. So here's the next one. Spring showers have begun, but I'm already tired of the local TV stations breaking in regular programming to announce there is a storm approaching the viewing area. Do they think we're all blind and can't see it's raining outside? (laughs) (laughs) Isn't the creeper at the bottom of the screen good enough? (laughs) It wouldn't be so bad if they would just take one or two minutes to announce the areas of concern, then go back to the program. No, they have to try to justify all of their fancy, expensive, state-of-the-art weather monitoring equipment and stay on the air for 20 or 30 minutes. (laughs) This complaint comes from Medina, Ohio in May 2010. Now... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is uh, someone who didn't make it through meteorology school and is just <laughs> yeah. so bitter. Yeah. This person is saying, like, we have no need for you to really, like, spell out that a storm is coming because we can see it's raining outside. <laughs> it feels like this is coming from the perspective of someone who's going to stay at their house and doesn't need to, like, be traveling during the storm at all. But I think the point that this person is missing is that these storm warnings are for, like, people who are sort of, like, active and, like, might interact with the weather outside (laughs) who aren't just dedicated to daytime tv yeah right you know let's not forget this person is sort of saying there's an ulterior motive by the network they're spending all this money on this state-of-the-art equipment (laughs) the doppler machine or whatever and they're saying we got to stay on for a half an hour we bought all this stuff we got to interrupt this person's (laughs) favorite show just so we can show our boss that like this equipment was worth it yeah (laughs) that's a big leap for me yeah i love the idea of the boss of the tv station getting to work and seeing all this brand new equipment and being like oh shit what are we gonna do with this we've got to find some way to use this yeah interrupt some programming (laughs) interrupt the program go in there show show what these machines can do it's funny because often they are like these people are so going in with their own like biases like they have such strong but yeah Bridger what do you think do you think this person has a point that like, again, just to be specific, it seems like they wish that the creeper, they call it at the bottom (laughs) of the screen, they think that's good enough. And they think if you would interrupt the show for one to two minutes, that's okay. But I guess they're talking about interrupting, staying in the air for 20 or 30 minutes. Now, (laughs) I don't remember that happening. And if they are staying on the air for 20 to 30 minutes, it's probably a pretty serious storm. Again, I don't think the excuse of we can see it's raining outside takes the place of like (laughs) warning people about how much it's going to rain, where it's moving, what time (laughs) it's going to stop. Like it's not just looking out the window gives you all that information. Yeah. But Bridger, do you think this person has a valid moan, a legit Absolutely. (laughs) I'm completely on their side. This is as legitimate as you're going to get, I think. It's every man for himself. And 
Television is so important, especially between 8 a.m. and 4 p.m. To have some weatherman showing up for a half hour, I don't think so. Yeah. No, no, no. The creeper is enough. We all know the creeper is enough. (laughs) (laughs) The creeper at the bottom of the screen. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to agree with Bridger. I think that, you know, maybe we can compromise somewhere in the middle. But yeah, I think maybe coming on for a minute or two, I agree, a half hour is too long. And I just wonder if maybe some of this isn't being secretly funded by the, you know, the weather industry who wants to get (laughs) more equipment sold (laughs) and a tax write off. And yeah, I think a half hour is too long. You say it's raining, you say where it's going when it's stopping, something changes, you you pop back in, but I don't think we need a half hour of it. (laughs) So I think this is is a legit moan also. Legit. Questionable, but legit. You guys have really come around on this person who's clearly (laughs) 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 kind of, I deeply disagree with both of you. I think this is definitely an unnecessary groan. I think this person, for no other reason than this person's logic of, we can see it's raining outside and (laughs) this is a way for them to like validate spending all this money on fancy weather equipment. I think those two points weaken what this person's asking for so much that I can only consider it an unnecessary groan. If they are coming on for 20 to 30 minutes, that seems long. Again, sometimes we have an unreliable narrator in these (laughs) um, situations. I don't believe that that's actually happening unless it's truly like a tornado or something. Like, I don't trust this person. I think they've got it out for weather people. I think, like you said, Bridger, maybe there's a world where they tried to go into meteorology or something and it just didn't work out for them. So I'm not on board for this one. I'm calling this one an unnecessary groan. All right. Jonah, would you like to read the last one? Yes, fair enough. So our final one, short but sweet. Why do advertising agencies and their clients think anyone wants to see their children in commercials? The home-produced ones are the worst. <laughs> Only the parents and grandparents think, think these kids are cute. <laughs> to, to the rest of us, they are just annoying. For me, it indicates a company to avoid because of the lack of professionalism. And this is from Lakewood, Ohio, where I used to live, August 2010. I had moved by then. Yeah, so this person thinks... <laughs> Kids and commercials are annoying. Only the parents or grandparents think these kids are cute. And it takes it one step further and said, if you have a kid in your commercial, I won't (laughs) use your company because I think you're unprofessional. This person's never bought a product. Yeah. I mean, to me, this is such a bizarre one because it's also so contingent on like what the product is. It would be some of these like if something geared towards kids, it would be so weird to not have a kid in it. But like, I'm just picturing like a toy commercial and like a kid walking on the screen or a diaper commercial and this guy being like, this is so unprofessional. I think what they're talking about, because they say the home produced commercials are the worst. I think what they're talking about when a kid's like, burger and burger law firm. If it were me, I would trust my dad and you should too. But also I'm like, first of all, those commercials are actually cute to anyone except for a cynic like this person. But even like if this person's complaint was like, I think it's shitty of people to like exploit their kids and like put them in commercials for their local businesses. Right. Just find another tactic and don't make your kid. That would be one argument to make. Although I know that if our parents had tried to put me in commercials as a kid, I would have truly loved it. But like, I understand (laughs) the argument of that. But like, just to say, don't do it because they're only cute to you. And to me, they're annoying. (laughs) This person is saying just to me, they're annoying. He's saying only the parents and grandparents think these kids are cute. To the rest of us, they're just (laughs) annoying they're saying not only to me to everyone else in the world unless parents and grandparents they're (laughs) annoying and it's like don't speak for me like i never said it yeah (laughs) it's basically actually saying like 
kids are only cute to their parents and grandparents. <laughs> to everyone else, they're annoying. <laughs> they're objectively annoying and ugly. Yeah, We all hate children in every medium. I get that, you know, low budget commercials can be tough to watch. And I get if you're working without a budget, sometimes having your kid or a family member or something is a good way to get people on board. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. How long is this commercial? 30 seconds? Like, is it that big of a deal to you? I mean, this is... Yeah. Bizarre to me that this person's <laughs> so upset about this to write a letter. There must have been a particularly annoying commercial with a yes. local child that they had a beef with. Yes, yeah. I would love to know the commercial that inspired oh, this me letter. Too. Part of me thinks ugh, it would be really hard to find because I bet it's a local commercial that only aired in Cleveland. And I'm trying to think like there were those commercials, but they were kind of teenagers by then that the Botnicks used to do for their like dad's jewelry company where it would be like, or you could buy a watch for your girlfriend who's always late. (laughs) Do you remember that? Vaguely. I can't remember what their jewelry store was, but they like put their sons like in the commercials, (laughs) but they weren't like little kids. Like they were like teens. They were like prom age. Okay. So that doesn't work for me. (laughs) Also like the tactic of like buy some jewelry for your horrible girlfriend (laughs) does everything wrong. Maybe it was like buy a watch because your girlfriend always says you're late. But what I said first seems more snappy. The other thing makes her sound (laughs) terrible too. Buy some jewelry for your nagging right, girlfriend. Right, right, right. Either way, tell your girlfriend. <laughs> Either way, your girlfriend's a bitch. <laughs> and if you're not in time, she's probably going to dump you, even though it's, you know, why would you want to be with her anyway? There was one for, uh, this might have been national. There was one for these toys called Cool Tools, where this kid would come out and say, cool, 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 cool tools. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that. I don't think that was national. There was one for like a video rental store where like a kid would come out of a pile of like VHS tapes or like DVDs and be like so-and-so's like video rental store. Those are the only ones I can think of. It was unless this was like Cars for Kids was already around, but I don't Mm. think it was around yet in 2010, although I could be wrong. I think this is a big thing still. I mean, I feel like sometimes I listen to the radio in the car and they'll be like, if you need your roof fixed, my dad's the best. Like, I think this is like, <laughs> totally. a, just like a, a common marketing tactic. Yes. I'm just saying in 2010, what was it that they right. were specifically? But right. it probably was, you're right. Like, it probably was a variety. It's been common for a long time. It was probably a variety of things. I'm sorry that I named somebody. <laughs> Bridger, what are your thoughts on this one? This is, uh, for me, this is a real tough one. I'm going to say unnecessary. Uh, I will say my problem with kids in commercials is when they're coached to act younger than they already are when they're like doing some speech impediment or they're drawing their R the backwards way or whatever it's like none of this is real to childhood what are we doing that's very also I have a real seeing kids in sunglasses always bothers me (laughs) It's real annoying. Got it. Not to interrupt you, but Jonah, I feel like you actually used to write your J's backwards on Jonah. Do you remember that? It's possible. I don't know. I could be wrong. Okay, go ahead, Bridger. But you never see the backwards J. It's always a backwards R or S. Right. Yeah. Let's put some other letters backwards and make it more authentic. Yeah. Yeah. Or a K in the case of corn. Right. They had a backwards K. (laughs) That's pretty edgy. So Bridger's saying this is an unnecessary groan. I'm with Bridger. I think that the writer of this letter is the kind of person that would also complain about the Woodstock 69 mentality. (laughs) Who you supported, by the way, just moments ago. (laughs) Do you both support it? (laughs) I did. I think I I was influenced a little by Bridger. I think Bridger made some really good points. (laughs) Thank you. But this I'm coming down a little harsher on this one just because I think you know, this person is speaking for me and I don't appreciate that. <laughs> I don't think, you know, having a kid in a commercial means your company's unprofessional. I don't think that all kids are annoying to 
you if you're not a parent or grandparent. And I don't think this person really understands how advertising works, but they're kind of using word like big words like professionalism in, in an effort to kind of like sound like they know what they're talking about. And that's <laughs> that is also um, we talked about a common theme in these letters. Yes. Not in these letters, maybe, but on change.org, too, where people will make these very bizarre arguments, but use a lot of big words. Yes. And think that that makes it sound more legitimate. So I'm saying exactly unnecessary groan, you know, this isn't really hurting anyone. It's not that big of a deal. And, you know, move on. Vanessa, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I feel like just because, again, if this person was complaining about kids being in commercials because they thought it was like exploiting them in any way, again, as a child, I would have absolutely killed to be in a commercial. But I think that's one thing. But their argument just being that they're only cute to their (laughs) parents and grandparents and that everyone else finds them annoying. (laughs) Like that reasoning. And then they're saying, and therefore, I think these companies have a lack of professionalism. Their reasoning is so unprofessional. I'm supposed to be like, oh, I take my cues from this person who's like, these kids are so annoying and they're only cute to their grandparents. Like that's Absolutely not. I'd love for this person to like look in the mirror when they talk about a lack of professionalism. Okay. (laughs) But so for all the reasons that we've said too, I say this is definitely an unnecessary groan. Unnecessary And I think this person needs to, to maybe lighten up a little. Just a bit. And if there's a specific commercial that's bothering them, like the Botnik's jewelry commercial, say that. You know? (laughs) Name names. Don't take it out on all of these sweet kids. (laughs) <laughs> the local youth. The local youth. Now, Bridger, we've had such a blast with you today. Oh, I've had a wonderful time. As of we, and and where can people find you? Oh, uh, where uh, I hate telling people. I have a podcast called I Said No Gifts. And that's essentially the only place at this point. And then, you know, maybe you'll be watching television and I'll have worked on one of the things. But uh, and then the internet's, I guess I'm on Instagram. I don't know. Great. I, I'm trying Great. to trying to push away from all of this. So at Twitter, I've abandoned years ago. Yes. Instagram, I'm hopelessly addicted to. Right. But I'm, you know, you type my name in and you'll probably find me somewhere. Got it. Great. Incredible. Beautiful self-promotion. Beautiful. No, I love that. I love that. Someone just shoot me. <laughs> No, you're a dream and an angel and we had the best time with you. Thank you for having me. It was so much fun. Listen, if you guys enjoyed this, please subscribe to the podcast and keep an eye out for next week's episode of How Did We Get Weird? where We will discuss more stories from our childhood and cultural touchstones like the witchy games that we played when we were kids. Thanks so much, Bridger. Thanks, you guys. That was so much fun. Thank you, Bridger. This was so great. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. 
All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscored team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscored.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just 348 With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for.